Everything is Awesome is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Check out some of our other shows, like TV Ate My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelant Friends, and Podstalgic at courtsandparts.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. This week, we're taking a little bit of a deviation. Before we get to what deviation we're taking, why we're taking it, let's take care of some business. You can follow Everything is Awesome on Twitter, at RealAwesomePod. We're on Facebook.com slash RealAwesomePod. We're also on Awesome Podcast. Uh, at Instagram as well. Um, you can find us on awesomepodcast.com, on coretemparts.com. We're part of the Core Temp Arts Podcast Network. And a few things that you could do to help support this show. The biggest helpful thing that you can do for us is leaving a five star review on iTunes. Uh, you go to iTunes, you can leave a review for podcasts. And those five-star reviews add up to help get us featured on iTunes, move us up in the rank, and get more people listening to this show so that we can do cooler and bigger things. We have a new a new review that I would like to share uh, with everybody. This is from Roy Burton. This podcast is awesome. I love good conversation, and everything is awesome gives me what I'm looking for every week. The diversity in guests is great, and the show is enjoyable to listen to. Check it out. Thanks, Roy. Thanks for sharing your review. Thanks for, uh, you know, helping spread the good word of everything is awesome. Uh, and it's reasons like that that we can do live shows like we're doing on June 4th. June 4th, 2017, at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House on 2578 Frankfurt Ave in Philadelphia, PA, 19125. Uh, we're going to be doing. We're going to be part of the unofficial Wizard World after party from four to six. We go on five to six. From four to five is a quest for magic and steel. From five to six, it's everything is awesome. We have a special guest that we're uh, we're, we're seeing. We're teasing. We're not. We're not announcing yet. We also have, uh, and I hope you're, I'm pronouncing your last name right, buddy. Uh, Brian Guai uh, is going to be in the house to perform some stand-up for us, uh, local Philadelphia comedian. We're going to be sitting down and chatting about Wizard World. Mike is going to be at Wizard World every single day. He has a table, so we're going to chat with him about Wizard World and, and his experience there and, and just talk about the awesomeness that is Wizard World before we get into trivia, of course, and uh, some other things that we have planned. So make sure you check it out. Uh, June 4th from 4 to 6 p.m. The unofficial was a world after party featuring a quest for magic and steel and everything is awesome at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House on Frankfurt Ave in Philadelphia, PA. That being said, uh, there's other ways that you can support this show. Word of mouth recommendations uh, are just as good as reviews. You tell more people about it, put it on while you're in the car with somebody else. That's great. If you happen to enjoy us enough to support us monetarily, you can go to patreon.com 
slash that entertains. Patreon.com is a great way to show your support to artists, whether they are podcasters or comedians or actual artists who make comic books and stuff like that, or a plethora of other um, creative people that are out there. Uh, For as little as $1 a month, you can pledge to That's Entertainment, which is the home of Everything Is Awesome, and That's Entertainment Podcast Network, and all the things that we do under the Crude Humor Studios banner. Um, That Patreon takes care of it, and and, you know, $1 a month is not much. $12 a year, bro, hashtag that. Uh, means the world to us if you could support. If not, like I said, iTunes and word-of-mouth recommendations are honestly the preferred method. I'd rather you give a five-star review uh, than give a dollar a month. That being said, I'll also take your money. I'm not above it. Anyway, this week's show, uh, I was I was editing the interview that I did with Dylan Jacobson, and that was supposed to come out today, uh, in fact, and then news broke of the death of a celebrity, Michael Parks. You may not know him by name, but you know him. He's been in a lot of movies. He's been in, in, in his, oh God, I think 50 plus year acting career, has been in over a hundred TV and film credits. Uh, and I am... Kind of disappointed in myself that I haven't explored some of those credits beyond um, and what I had thought was my first experience with him in Red State and then again in Tusk. But I've actually, the first time I saw him was in Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2. Unfortunately, as of this recording, I, I, I honestly do not remember his performances in, in the Kill Bill movies. I've only seen those movies once. Um... I will definitely be going back to rewatch them uh, soon, though. However, I can speak of Michael Parks, uh, the Kevin Smith era of Michael Parks, and in Red State and in Tusk. We're what we're going to do. What I did while I was um, editing the Dylan Jacobson interview is I put that to the side because I knew that in the vault of podcasting that I have done in the last nine uh, years and 11 months is a conversation that Garrett and I had about Red State. So I wanted to take dig that up, edit out the parts that weren't necessarily part of the conversation that are important. Um, and I listened to it, and uh, there there is you know about a good... I think 40 minutes, maybe 48 minute chunk of podcasting where him and I are discussing Red State. And I could have cut that down and pared it down to just the parts where we talked about Michael Parks. But um, honestly, the even though we don't blatantly say it, I, I, at least on my end, I'm listening to myself to a baby Kev from 2011 talking to baby Garrett Smith about a movie that they had just seen two nights earlier at Radio City Music Hall, Red State. And, you know, uh, my opinion on that movie has changed since then. And you're going to hear that later in the audio when I cut in the audio from the very first episode of Everything is Awesome, uh, where I had Garrett as my guest, and we talk about briefly talk about Red State and Tusk again. Um... But Baby Kev in 2011 was, had mixed reactions about that film. And, and um, ultimately, after viewing it a few more times, I, I really do love that movie. And I'm going to watch that movie tonight. I'm going to watch that movie tonight so that I can 
Um, just soak in Michael Parks. And that's something that you hear me discuss over the course of 40 minutes or so with Garrett is Red State and how that, what we thought of that movie when we saw it at Radio City Music Hall at the premiere of the Red State tour. And um, I think what we get out of that conversation or what I get out of that conversation, at least listening to myself, is that the reason I love that movie so much is because of Michael Parks. Michael Parks' performance in that movie is just outstanding. It what It's what makes Act 2, if not Act 2 and Act 3, of that movie so wonderful. His performance outshines that of, I think, almost everyone else in that movie, uh, except for maybe John Goodman. Him and John Goodman go toe-to-toe performance-wise in Red State. So... I wanted to, I, that's the only thing I have on audio that really kind of sums up um, Michael Parks as an actor, but I did want to include this pre-intro to to discuss Michael Parks, and if, you don't, if you're unfamiliar with Michael Parks, I want you to go back and probably go to um, From Dusk Till Dawn. Um, that's what I'm going to do after I watch Red State. And I'm only going to go watch Red State first is because that's my first experience with him. But after that, I'm going to go back and watch it from dusk till dawn. Uh, and from from all accounts, from what I've read, from what I've heard, um, that's, that's the movie that kind of established Michael Parks as a character actor. He's been in several Quentin movies since then, uh, like Kill Bill. Uh, volume one and two. He's been in Kevin Smith movies. He's been in a plethora of movies. He is such a talent, um, a big bucket of win, as Kevin Smith would say. Uh, I unfortunately, you know, I wish that Garrett and I had time to sit down and record something in a hurry, uh, because Garrett is the guy I do want to sit down and talk about. So I have a feeling that, um, that down the road, whether it be this year or whether it be the anniversary of of Michael Parks' death, something I like to do with some celebrities that really kind of touch me in some way. Uh, Robin Williams, we did it last year. We'll be doing it again this year. Carrie Fisher, um, we'll be doing it for in, in December for her. And uh, I can see doing it for Michael Parks um, next May. Maybe that's when Garrett and I will sit down and, and discuss Michael Parks. But Michael Parks is uh, just, you know, you need to soak him in. And I, to honor Michael Parks um, in this unofficial, uh, you know, in memoriam special for him, um, I wanted to go back to about six years ago, um, almost six and a half years ago, I guess, to a conversation I had with Garrett Smith on a little podcast that we had at the time called Monday Pod. Yeah, it's dopey. Uh, that would eventually morph into academic nerds. Not so dopey. It's a podcast I actually miss. I wish that Garrett and I could do it on a regular basis. However, um, I want to I take you back to about six years ago, six and a half years ago, when we sat down and discussed uh, our thoughts on the movie Red State. And I think... Um, I think really to to a maybe a lesser degree our our thoughts on Michael Parks in that movie because really he's the driving force of that movie. He is 
you know, I think um, at least now in in a in a world without Michael Parks, when I think Red State, I'm gonna I'm gonna think Michael Parks, and uh, we will have a sit down probably before the anniversary of Michael Parks' death to discuss Tusk because that's something that Garrett and I have never really sat down and discussed. So that's something that I, I would like to do because he was. You know, we're, we're talking a lot of Michael Parks' love in Red State, but there's a lot of love for Michael Parks and Tusk. He is just such an actor. And if you haven't seen Red State or Tusk, go out and watch them. I love Red State. It's a movie that I, after a couple of viewings, it's a movie that I really actually, really, really like. It is, it is very thought-provoking. It is a really interesting movie. Uh, and same thing with Tusk. To this day, I still uh, don't know. Tusk is one that I'm not sure how I feel about it as a movie, but it is interesting. It's it, it is an interesting movie, and it, and it's it makes you think. And uh, again, you watch that movie for nothing else but Michael Park's performance. With that, I've gone on and on. Uh, so let's and and I'm gonna kick it old school. We're gonna go from here to the intro for Sunday Pod. Uh, and then I'm out. Present day Kev is out. But you're you're going to hear a conversation that I had with Garrett in 2011 about Red State. And then we're going to cut to about a three-minute conversation that Garrett and I had in 2015 um, that was about uh, Red State and Tusk. And it was very, very brief, but we're going to cut to it. Uh, and that ended up airing in 2016 for the very first episode of Everything is Awesome. So this one's for you, Michael Parks. Uh, may you rest in peace. You were a huge bucket, a huge cauldron, as Kevin would say, uh, a whole, whole cauldron of win. Such a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. You will be missed, my friend. And you were like, we're in for some shit. Oh, yeah. Shut up, it's on. 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? Wow. Look at these morose motherfuckers right here. I'll be damned if I'm gonna let some self-righteous lucky turd come in here and treat me and Dante like we're a couple of fucking porch monkeys. Take your hand, you stick it in your ass like this. You've been walking all day and you're also nervous, so no doubt you'll be sweaty as hell. I fear God. You better believe I fear God. Nuge to the nuge. So let's, I guess, uh, get into Red State. Totally, man. Well, I mean, what did what did you think? Um, okay. <laughs> I, I I think I, I'm going to see it again in October because yeah. I yeah. think I went into that movie expecting more, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't hate the movie. I thought it was very, very well done. Um, definitely, I think, the best movie he's directed as far as camera work and and the actual direction of the flick uh-huh um i was disappointed in the movie itself okay uh not saying that i didn't like it right, I, right. I thought it was really good um and i enjoyed it but i i wouldn't right now today i couldn't say it's his best movie he's done like he has said it is right right um, yeah that was uh the my friend that i went with kelly she that was like the first thing she asked me she was like what where would you rank that movie amongst his other movies and i i don't i don't know how to answer that question because it's so wholly different from everything else that he's done like i, I don't have a legitimate answer for where i would place that in the you know rankings of his work like i just 
I don't. I just don't know how to even compare it to anything else he's done. Like honestly, and and a lot of people give cop out shit, and we've discussed how we both kind of enjoyed it. Enjoy yeah. cop out. Uh, I honestly, I can say right now without seeing Red State a second time and, and not being as much of a critic as a fan, uh, I actually enjoyed cop out more. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I, w- I would definitely not agree with that, but uh, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I, but I also am a huge fan of those buddy cop movies. And, and right. So, I mean, that that was geared more, toward, more towards me than, than maybe other people. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, like, based off of now the trailer, and this is the one thing I don't, uh, you know, that kind of gets me is that, like, Kevin Smith uh, at Sundance goes, you know, he, you know, he makes a joke about how uh, studios have lied to him with trailers. Right. And so fuck them. The trailer made that movie look so much better than what I saw on Saturday night. Interesting. Um, and again, I think this has a lot to do with him pimping it as much as he has on his on his podcast network mm-hmm. um, and him saying that it's the best thing he's ever done right. during the Red State Q&As and whatnot. And, yeah, absolutely. And then also, I guess, the anticipation of the last three years waiting for this movie. And again, the trailer, seeing the trailer, just it, I, I saw it and it looked like, to me, it looked like it was going to be the best Kevin Smith movie he's ever done. Right, right. Uh, like I said, it, 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 it was a disappointment, but not in a, a bad way necessarily, just... Uh-huh. Like I said, it just I, didn't live up to the expectations yeah, you had set for it. Yeah, and, and that might not be it's, – it's not Kevin's fault or, or anyone's fault but my own because I, I do that a lot. A lot. There's a lot of movies I'll, I'll say, that looks fantastic. It's going to be a really, really good movie. And I set my I set a standard so high that it's hard to actually live up to that. Yeah, you hype yourself up for it. I get that. And and that's why I definitely will go see Red State again, If whether it's through a tour that comes through Philly. I won't go to another state or city for it. Right. But if it's in Philly or the Philly area, if he tours it again, I'll definitely go see it if, if the ticket prices aren't too expensive. Yeah, me too. Um, but definitely when it opens nationwide, uh, in, or at least hopefully limited release, uh, October 19th, I'll definitely I'm definitely see it. going yeah. again on October nineteenth. Uh, no question. Yeah, I need to see it a second time, if not for any reason, but to to see it with fresh eyes again. Yeah, um, reassess it. Reassess it. Uh, I often find that when I set uh, like a bar for a movie, I do get really disappointed by it, and then when I see it again, I appreciate it like a hundred times more because my expectations are no longer so high. Like I just. I sort of know what movie I'm going to watch, and when I sit down to watch it again, I'm like, oh, I, but I didn't realize when I watched it that first time that this, 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 and this were going on. Yeah. Because I was so focused on sort of how it wasn't going in the directions I thought it was going to go. I, I totally agree. Uh, I guess uh, before I, – I, I guess we want to get into some maybe specific, uh, specifics of Red State, but before we do – what was your initial reaction, I guess? Um. I, it's hard to explain. Like I, I actually loved the movie. I, I thought it was really, really great. I thought it was extremely thought-provoking. Uh, Kelly and I were still talking about it up to like an hour ago um, before you and I started recording this. Um, I mean, I just thought there was so, so many interesting scenes in the movie that really made me think about, uh, I mean, a, a lot of different things. He really addressed a lot of things. But I, to me, what was so interesting about it was it's essentially a series of, of moral dilemmas set in front of each of the characters that they have to make a choice about. And it's just 
a series of these choices being made that lead you further and further down the rabbit hole that is the story of this movie. And as I was watching it, because of that, because there's so much new information being revealed to you every few minutes and new characters being introduced and then some of them being taken out and all that kind of stuff, I I was having trouble as I was watching it, like actually assessing how I felt about it. I was just sort of like along for the ride, not knowing how to sort of interpret and take everything that was being put in front of me. Uh, I was almost kind of lost in the chaos. But once it was over and I started thinking about it more and talking more with Kelly about what we saw and what it meant and the different issues that were addressed, I realized it was just sort of this really interesting, important movie that sort of actually has something to say. Like something that she brought up to me that I thought was really interesting was a lot of movies today sort of try to allow the audience to decide how they feel about the subject matter that's presented. And Red State is not like that. It doesn't shove its message down your throat, but it has a very specific perspective on what it's showing you and and almost kind of tells you how to feel about it. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. I don't think there are a lot of movies like that today where it has a very specific, interesting perspective on an issue. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And <clears throat> yeah, I, it, the whole movie, like I said, the whole movie was good to me. Uh, right. I, I can't walk away from that movie saying I was disappointed because, because I, well, I can, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't say that I wasn't satisfied right, with right. the, at least the night in general. The biggest thing for me, and I, I guess to start getting into a little bit of details of the movie. So anyone that hasn't seen Red State yet, um, I'm going to try not to give away too many spoilers. Yeah, I'm going to do the same because I I think it would be a shame to go into this movie knowing what you're about to get. I think that is one of the beauties of this movie. Yes, because um, cause if you look at the, to me, if you look at the trailer and you watch the trailer and and you're like, "Wow, this looks like a really good movie." You can still you can still say that and think that, but based off that trailer, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> like, you have no idea what's coming. It, it, at every turn just when you think you might know where the story is about to go, it goes somewhere else. Or you're presented with something that you're just like, holy fuck. Like it's, I mean, it's either going left or right, and I don't know where it's going until the moment that it actually takes that turn. And I, I thought that was brilliant. It sort of kept me on the edge of my seat and kept me really interested in what was happening. Yeah, and I, I have to say, I would say there there was a clear-cut point, which I'll get to in a second, yeah. uh, that where, where the movie kind of... Um, it just that's where it went. I guess, for lack of a better term, south for me. Okay. Uh, but I'm gonna pre uh, preamble this with the with the uh, what I said on the citation needed that that will be posted sometime tomorrow or Tuesday or something. Uh, regardless of how I felt about the movie, I, I still I would if I knew what the movie was gonna be on Saturday morning, I still or you know when I bought the tickets, I still would have ended up going because. Regardless, it was a good enough movie for me to spend $68 on, and right. uh, we we discussed this last week. This is a model that I want to see work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's so worth supporting. There needs to be a big example of crowdfunding like this. Yeah, and so I, I still say that if you have any interest in Red State... And you haven't, uh, and it's coming through your town, and and you have disposable income. Even if you buy nosebleed seats, there's, there's depending on the size of the theater, you may get an upgrade for free, especially if you do that whole texting uh, giveaway thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you have the disposable income, buy tickets for it. Uh, I guess all the go infos- see this movie and yes. see it especially now. It's so worth supporting. And I, I, re- I mean, 
it sounds like even regardless of how positively or negatively you feel about it, you agree with me that this is a movie that is absolutely worth seeing. Yes. I, like, I think that there is... I don't think that there will be another movie like this this year in theaters. It no. is a very, very unique movie. It is. And it is thought-provoking, like you said earlier today. It, it really is. And, and again, uh, I mean, I... Overall, the overall movie to me was positive. Uh, yes. it, it, there was just negative parts that I will probably reevaluate when I watch it a second time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I say I don't. The I guess uh, I guess we'll break down the movie and go to coopersdell.com to find out if it's going to be in your town. And like I said, like we said, go go see it now because it will help support this new uh, method that Kevin Smith is trying to put out there. Absolutely. So, um, but I guess we'll kind of break down the movie into the three acts, kind of like Kev has done in his podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sex, religion, and politics. Yes. I would say, uh, yes. Are are the acts it takes? Exactly. And uh, so the first the first act, um, which is the nice thing about the acts is it is it is a a movie that um, flows very well with time. I, I agree. I, I think it really just sort of breezes by and keeps this momentum almost from the get-go. Like, it just sort of breaks out the box running and, and keeps on going without losing its momentum. Yeah, and that's, uh, a, that's a movie that is, I guess, you know, from start to end credits is about 97 minutes. Yeah, uh, it was pretty quick. And it's and I guess from picture to picture, it's I think I think Kev said it's about eighty six, eighty seven, somewhere in that area. Yeah. Uh, before the credits start, so and it's not one of these movies that are, um, you know, short or even if it's a long movie, it's not one of the movies that feel long where it kind of it, it's it just didn't a feel slow. long to me. Oh man, it no. just it fucking went by so it went by so fast i wasn't sure what the hell i was seeing at some point yeah i mean and, and the camera work throughout the whole thing was it was really I, I mean i guess it's been they they pull from what the original um let the good one in or whatever uh let the right one in let yeah the... he talked about that and what else did he talk about oh um uh that movie where uh, there's a, the teacher and basketball coach is a crack addict with uh, Ryan Gosling. What the fuck is that uh, called? Half Nelson. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, it's a very like frenetic, uh, intense sort of uh, like really kinetic camera work. It's the yeah. camera is always moving. Yeah, it was, and, and and the nice thing is it's even except for for lack of a better term action scenes and i don't even want to say action running scenes if you will <laughs> right uh so in a lot of the scenes where in a typical kevin smith movie uh that it's it's there's dialogue and the camera would be steady and, sh- and and not shaky or moving or anything very static and stationary uh yes it, it was in those scenes there was only a slight movement that i noticed which i right. thought was awesome because it, that way it wasn't going from static and steady to shaky and and right yeah absolutely so i like i said i i I gotta say that this is definitely and i said it earlier tonight definitely the the best visually done camera work and and director wise best movie he's done that way Uh, absolutely dave klein fucking killed it on this movie it it is a it really is a beautiful looking movie like i the color palette is completely different from anything he's ever used before it's very muted the camera is always moving the characters on the screen are always moving it's um there's just something so there's like an energy in this movie that uh 
I don't want to say his other movies lack, but that are are noticeably missing from his other movies once you've seen this. Yes. Uh, so I, let's go back to the acts now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, so act one, I'd say, is maybe twenty minutes ish. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, of the movie, and that's your your almost your typical Kevin Smith movie in the sense that it's um, dialogue and sex driven. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but there, it. I loved that it 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 was a Kevin Smith movie in the sense that it's young people talking about pussy, talking about it in a very vulgar way, the way young people are wont to do. Um, but there was this sort of foreboding nature to that whole opening act. As as funny as it was at times, and as Kevin Smithy as it might have been at times, to me there was something that was foreboding about the whole thing. Something seemed like it was going to go wrong regardless. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, I sh- it's still not it's it's not your typical Kevin Smith, uh, young kids pussy talk, <laughs> you know. Right, right. Uh, but that all done very well. I I didn't have a problem at all with the first act. Um, right. it, it, and, and I don't know where he made his cuts at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of it was during, um, I think the Michael Parks, um, monologue. Yeah. I think your introduction to Michael Parks is where you lose probably five minutes of the, the nine minutes that he said he cut. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I really, I, I, I save for the fact that the, the first act is, you know, the closest to Kevin Smith in this movie you're going to see. Uh, say for maybe a part of the end, possibly. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. I think the ending is is very Kevin Smith, but um, leaning towards the best of his work as far as that goes. Yeah. So I mean, I really don't have much to say about the first act because it. I mean, basically, and and this isn't really unless you haven't listened to Kevin Smith podcast. There's not you're not giving away much here. It's the three the three kids, uh, make it make basically a Craigslist date. Or whatever the website they used was to uh, to go have the three of them to have sex with a, an older lady. Yeah. Um. I, I I'll say about that that first act. One thing that I really enjoyed, and again without getting into spoilers, uh, is Stephen Root's storyline, his character storyline, the um, the 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 head police officer there. Yes, the sheriff. Yeah, um, I thought his storyline was really interesting. I thought he had a really, really powerful moment, a really powerful scene in that first act. Um, that uh, it, it was an issue that the movie talks about, but doesn't address in the way that specific scene addresses. Exactly. Uh, and I thought it was beautiful that the movie took the time to address that specific aspect of an issue. I would, um, I would actually, I'm willing to say that his strongest scene, I think, was in uh, w- what I would say was Act Two, okay. Um, when uh, basically he gets a uh, there's a call for backup that goes through yes. to him. Yes. Uh, that I think was the sh- his strongest scene because I mean he I, I, again I don't know really how to say it without giving away a spoiler but so I won't <laughs> but yeah right uh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about though and I, and I agree that that was a great scene. Uh, that was a strong scene, um, and, and yeah, I mean his storyline for for as little as it was was awesome, um, right. so. and and this is basically uh, Act Two kind of starts maybe a couple minutes before that scene we're talking about, where and again this isn't I I think this has been talked about on other Kevin Smith podcasts so uh, when basically the the kids now have 
been kidnapped by the church. Yes. Yep. And I, I think that's probably as far as we'll say as, as to what happens in the church. Yes. Yes. Um, but that whole second act, um, gives you so much to think and talk about. I mean, you get that second act is, is centered on Michael Parks and his performance. And it, it truly is like, I, as it was happening, I, it's a it's a really beautiful performance. As it was happening, I wasn't sure what to do with it at first. I didn't know how to feel about it. I, I didn't know. Before you understand the perspective of the people in the church, it's hard to interpret what's happening in the church. Um, but one of the beautiful things Kevin does in the movie is he never makes you sympathize with anybody, but he certainly makes you understand why they make the decisions they make. Yes. Every character in the movie makes very human decisions, regardless of how inhumane they might be. Yes. Um, and, and I think that that whole second act is centered on Parks' performance as this man who you, you – there's no possible way to sympathize with him, but you totally follow everything he's saying and where in, from his perspective there is a logic to it. Which makes it all the more frightening. Exactly, and and I'm glad. And this isn't giving anything away because he's talked about it too. But I'm glad that the uh, the initial idea for one of the characters uh, that that is caught by this church, for lack of a better term, yes. uh, was the Rams head. Yes, I uh, really like the change here. Yeah, the the, the change there is it makes it a hundred percent realist like that could happen in in yes. in some small hick town that that that's where you that would happen that's the resources they have it is so much more real and visceral what he goes for there than you know having put a ram's head on somebody yes i, I mean i it, and and when you take into consideration what he said about his original ending in, yeah. in the q a um yes. I, I can see where this could have been a very different movie a very different kind of horror movie than it actually is now uh and, and the ram's head might have fit into that horror movie that it could have been if yes that makes any sense uh no 100 percent. and um we'll put a little uh post-it note on on the the original ending because that's kind of I believe I have video of Kevin answering that question. I haven't quite looked at it yet. If the sound quality is good, though, I'll actually have that answer up. Uh, I definitely have. Um, I definitely have audio of it that should be pretty clean. Uh, so we we whether it's uh, whether it's on your blog, which is you actually have a domain now, right? Yes, I am. I looked at the trap. dot com. Uh, so whether it's on there or it's this Monday blog page is still getting built for the hhwst.net page. Mm-hmm. So we'll be on one of those two sites uh, sometime this week because if, if if yours isn't clear and crisp, I should be able to get you clear and crisp audio. Sweet, sweet. But um, yeah, it, we'll put a post it on that on that part. Uh, not necessarily the Q and A, but when we get to Act Three, we'll put a post it there. Totally. Uh, now Act Two is where you're introduced to um, the Cooper family. Yes. Yeah. Um. Hey, I actually I really dug Ralph Garman's performance, even though it was, you know, a silent was, character. Silent performance, dude. I totally agree. I I was really impressed with him. Um, you know, I've I've seen video on the AOL late night thing of him doing Hollywood Babylon with Kevin, and he he's kind of 
and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but he's like kind of a goofy looking guy. He's always got this like big grin slapped, you know, like slapped across his face. I agree. Yeah. Um, and there's something, you know, his hair is like always sort of perfectly in a shape and I don't know. There was, there's something about him that I, I just couldn't see him as the character that was being described in all of the Q and A's. And then I saw the movie and he works like a fucking like, I mean, he's literally he's Aben's bulldog kind of. That yes. Sense. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a perfect description for that. For... And he pulls it off so well. Like, I yeah. didn't believe it. He was so good. Oh, definitely. And honestly, that I was what I was most shocked about is that until uh, the the very last time you see Jen in the movie. Yes, I didn't. I didn't know who Jen was. Like, I, and it's <laughs> nothing that I, I think Kevin did. It's just more so how Jen has changed over the years. Yes, uh, I, I had no. I thought I recognized her at one point. I'm like, I don't. I don't even know where Jen is in this movie. <laughs> right. uh, and you are introduced to her in Act Two. Yes. And uh, what I, you know, wait, I, I didn't really notice until thinking about it now is that the cast of this movie was so small. Um, I mean, the only time you really have a huge cast of extras is in Act One, where they're where they're doing like the the WBC style picketing, right? The protests. Yes. Um, yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's a small cast, but at the same time, it's a small cast with a shitload of characters. If you think about it. Oh yeah, because like, almost although almost the cast of them. is small. Almost everybody is somehow like a central main character to the story and gets their own just desserts. Yes, exactly. And, and and it's it's shocking how uh, Act Two is basically where it starts to okay we can now we know we know now who the main character oh shit no we don't and it keeps taking yes. turns left and right uh, and and you throwing keep, it for you, a loop. The one of the beautiful things about the movie is it is continuously introducing you to a new character that you think is finally going to be your hero. You you think in the beginning with the three teenagers that one of them may be the hero, and then it moves on from there, and you think you may have found your new hero in, in another character or two. It moves on from there, and you think you may have found your new hero in another character or two, and all of them end up in the midst of a moral quandary that they end up making what I think most of us would consider the immoral decision, but the decision that makes sense to that character nonetheless. Yes. yes. Uh, and, and so you're, you're constantly confronted with like, Oh my God, finally, like you just sort of let the air out. Like finally the guy that's going to come in and fucking make this shit work right. And, and work out the way it needs to, so that this can be a movie that satisfies me. Here he is. He's finally here. And then no, 10 minutes later that he's either no longer in the movie or the decision he makes takes away any ability he would have to be your hero. Yeah, and uh, yes, and uh, just Act Two definitely was for me. I mean, I, I, up to Act Two, I, I enjoyed every bit of the movie. I was I was excited in Act Two. Uh, yeah. I mean, definitely again. Um, I mean, there was parts of Act Two that you know, uh, obviously, you attribute to my opinion of you know, eh, I was expecting more, but still, uh-huh. Act Two w- was was amazing. It was probably, I guess, my favorite part of the flick. Okay. Um, and especially because this is when you're introduced to John Goodman. Yes. Uh, who, who's, who I love as a, as, as an actor from, from watching him as a kid on Roseanne. Absolutely. And, uh, and definitely from the, the Big Lebowski or whatever the mm-hmm. movie was called. Uh, lo- love that guy. 
and and you know it's been talked talked about on the podcast before and, and it was discussed in the Q&A about how much of a, an awesome awesome actor he is that he'll be his own stand-in and yes I yeah mean, absolutely he he just se- seems like a stand-up guy and uh oh, he was so classy dude the whole night yes, like just yes. just a classy yes. motherfucker uh and and in the movie just amazing like you know a guy him and parks really stole that show absolutely i like i'm gonna go out on a limb and as much as kevin wants to talk about parks performance and how amazing parks is and he absolutely was I'm I'm gonna say it like I loved John Goodman in this movie. He fucking yes. stole the whole movie for me. I thought he was phenomenal in yes. this movie. And, and for me, it was uh, that was the one actor that I'm like I can't believe he is in a Kevin Smith movie, regardless yes. of what the movie is. Yes. Uh, but oh, and not because I think John Goodman thinks he's too big for it, because I mean. I don't think I don't think he is. It's just it's just he's a guy who I don't imagine working with Kevin Smith. I, I agree with you. There's there, uh, not that there would be a conflict of interest between the two of them or anything, but it it just I don't for some reason that doesn't compute to me necessarily. But then when you when you see them together and when you see them interact with each other and stuff, it does make sense. And when you think about it long enough, it makes sense. But on face value, you're just like. No, John Goodman's a classy, classic actor. Kevin Smith makes dick and fart jokes a, a lot. Yeah, and and Goodman just, you know what? I, you gotta, you gotta love an actor that sees a script and he doesn't do it for the money. He he does yeah. it because it's it's an awesome, what he thinks is an awesome movie. Yep. yep. And so that that was very cool. I mean, I guess there's not much more we can really say about Act Two without giving anything away. Right. No, I think we should probably just leave it at that. Um, that it's the introduction to the Cooper family, and they that is full of just excellent performances and interesting, odd, thought provoking scenes that are going to kind of weird you out, but you know, yeah, I, I would get you talking about things when you leave the theater. Yeah, I, I would say that the the two big scenes in Act Two, just to touch one more, uh, one last thing in Act Two is Park's introduction. Yes, um, was an amazing scene and probably oh, a, a fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean that's probably a third of Act Two. Yes, is that yep. scene? I, I would say. 10 to 15 minutes of the movie take place right there in that scene. Yes. And, and such a good performance and such a good scene. Um, that one line that was always like, that's what ended the trailer. Uh, yes. Do I fear God? You better believe I fear God. Uh, it, for whatever reason, it, it, that didn't hit me as much in the movie as it did in the trailer. I agree. Um, it, you know, he pulled that line out in a very specific way so that it has a big impact in the trailer but it's almost a little more common conversation in the movie. Yes. But that is sort of what makes his character so horrifying, and I think Kevin has described him this way before, is what's coming out of his mouth is clearly hate speech. Everything that he's saying is is clearly hate speech. But he's saying it in, in a way that seems loving, in, in a way that seems like oh. it's coming from a place of love. Yeah, and it... that's what makes it so terrifying, the, the way... You almost understand how these people could be fooled by somebody like this. It, it was, it was, uh, maybe disgusting is the wrong word, but it was almost disgusting at how human Aben Cooper is in yes, that scene. So absolutely, it's it's because I mean, unless you know nothing about uh, Red State going into that movie, yes. which if I mean, if you're listening to this show or you want to go see Red State before October nineteenth, you clearly know something about that movie. Mm-hmm. I, I mean. You, so if you know nothing about that movie and you walk in, 
it's just like wow <laughs> like yeah and there's a charisma to him that i yes. imagine if you did not know what this movie was about it, it the first i would say two to five minutes of that scene he doesn't quite get into anything that off base or off center he spends a lot of that time interacting with his grandchildren, the younger yeah. children around. And I mean, now, I mean there's, there's clearly something weird happening in that scene regardless, so you're going to feel yes. a little off about him. But because of the way he interacts with those young children in the first like two to five minutes of that scene, if you didn't know anything about that movie, I could totally imagine you not knowing how to feel about his character in any way, shape, or form. Not knowing whether to like him or to hate him or, or what exactly it is that he's saying or what his agenda is. Yeah, because I mean, cause he's like dancing and having a good time and like yeah. he's joking around and it's just... it's He's encouraging the kids. He's trying yeah. to make them feel smart. He's doing all these great grandfatherly like things yeah uh, but and, oh it, it, that like i said that and 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 the other scene that we talked about earlier with um um what was it, steve something what was his name steve something steve i i don't know maybe it's not steve <laughs> the, the the sheriff oh god yeah steven root steven root uh that scene, which is is much shorter than the Michael Park scene, but yes. that was the other strong, um, I, I'm top five scene of the movie. I agree. I loved that whole. Se- I loved the lead up to that oh, scene as well. Yes, so with good. his deputy, I, I thought that whole sequence. Uh, we'll, we'll call it the fence sequence where they're yes, at the fence yes. together. Um, was was so well written and so well performed across the yeah. board. The three actors that sort of take up the central part of that scene like just pull it off so fucking well yeah and that's i mean that that fence scene that fence sequence is where like i was like okay i like my heart was racing like i'm like yes i'm like there's something something's gonna happen uh-huh. and and that was one of uh w- one of the few times that my heart was racing in that movie I, I won't lie when i say my heart didn't race too much i actually i laughed a lot more in that movie than i thought i was going to i i would agree with that um i i still don't think i would call it a comedy if no, anything no, maybe no. Like some sort of black satire yes um, uh, yes yes it, it, not a comedy by any stretch of the means but there is right. satire in that movie that that makes you chuckle yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, in the long run, I almost feel like I'm going to, down the road, look at this as some sort of black comedy. And I don't even think I would ever consider it a black comedy, but there's a part of me that just wanted to laugh through the whole movie. Yeah, because and, it was sort of a brilliant satire in a way. And, and you know, I think that had, I mean, it, you know, I would, I would like to be, uh, see, I can't wait to see this movie on October 19th when it's in a theater with more than just Kevin Smith fans. Absolutely. Because yeah. a lot of that laughter is based off the fact that there, we know him and we yes, know his sense of humor. We exactly. understand where he's coming from with a lot of that stuff. So to see that flick in a room full of non Kevin Smith fans, uh, would would be real interesting to see if you get the the laughs, the applause, and the like. Oh, what the hell is going on? Moments that we got on Saturday night. Like, I mean, speaking of that, just really quick. Like, I thought the audience was incredible at this show. They laughed at the right parts. They gasped yes. at the right parts. They were surprised at the right parts. Like, they cheered at the right parts. It was. I can imagine Kevin must have just been so ecstatic about the response to the movie in this theater. And like you, because of it, be, knowing that most of them probably are Kevin fans there, 
I am very interested to see how this plays in front of a general audience, yeah, uh, as opposed to his audience. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a shame that it's going to be seven months, months away almost. Months, yes. Yeah, but but it'll allow me to go in fresh. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, about that. Yeah, and that, like I said, I think I think, and and obviously on sometime in that week of October nineteenth when we do a show, we'll, we'll revisit this, and if not before then, but definitely yeah. revisit it then, and we can be a lot more. Uh, Spoiler, spoiler. Totally, uh, yeah. And dissect um, it even more. I, I agree. Do you want to sort of jump to the third act here and just sort of give a brief like, yes. talk about yes. where you – it sounds like that's where your problems are with yes. the movie at, the third act. Act three, uh, done very well uh, up to – well, even even up to the point that I had a problem, I, I, that part was done well as, as well. Um the big thing is um, going back to where we put that post-it where uh, it's been talked about in the, in the Q&A from that night and also in other podcasts, there was a different editing originally written. Yes. And uh, without giving anything away, uh, there, there's a clear-cut scene in that movie. Uh, yes. And I guess we can say this with, without giving anything away, really, the standoff, if you will. Yes, absolutely. I, uh, I, I, uh, I did a little podcast earlier with the girl I went with, and I called it a Jack Locke moment. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. You know what? It was exactly a Jack Locke moment. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that perfect terminology for it. Uh, <laughs> but the, you could tell from, from basically when it goes from, from the standoff, the Jack Locke moment, to the, to the very next scene, yes. which kind of brings it back to the Kevin Smith world. Yes. For lack of a better term, that almost seemed like a cop out to me. Okay, it, it, he wanted it, 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 that was all set up for his original ending. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and and it just seemed like you know what, we don't have the money for it, which I understand. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't have the money to do that original ending to 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 take it out. I guess uh, out of the realm of of real. Yes, um, is what that I guess we can say without really spoiling anything. Would be the it, original ending. Yes, yeah. the original ending was supposed to take it out of the realm of real, which yes. a, a lot of that was based off of a dare from Malcolm. Mm -hmm. And yep. and I would like to see what that ending would have turned out to be because I think that would have flowed better than what we got. I am going to like kind of agree with a lot of what you're saying and kind of disagree with some of what you're saying. Um, I. I think his original ending for the movie would have actually made the the movie itself as a whole less effective because it would have taken it out of the realm of reality. I, I think if he had gone that far and taken it out of everything before it is so real and sort of predicated on the idea that, like I said, to me what was most interesting is the movie is a series of moral dilemmas set in front of a series of different characters – and you sort of are given the different justifications for why they would make the decisions they make uh, at, at all those different junctures. Um, I think that that works because they're all very human and very humanized in the story. And if you in, in, if in the end you had taken it out of reality, you would have lost all of the humanity that you had set up in the rest of the movie. You, it would have made everything that came before it seem ridiculous, whereas because of the ending it has, because it stays in that realm of reality, these things aren't ridiculous. These things are very human decisions. These people are very human, and they are acting and reacting in very human ways. If you would have taken it out of the realm of reality, to me, you would have kind of taken away that aspect of the movie with it. 
and I do I do agree with that. Um, and I'm not saying that I, I I guess I shouldn't say that I think the taking it out of the realm of reality would have been the better ending. It just the 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 where the cut I guess uh, yes. It just it seems more unnatural as far as the flow of the movie is concerned. I can kind of agree with you on that, and uh, and, and I think. I to, to be honest with you, I think I I personally would rather see the alternate ending because oh. I like totally ridiculous shit like that. Like I love ridiculous shit like that in movies, and I think it really would have given a really awesome, interesting, mind blowing ending to this movie. And and, and to kind of fast forward to the Q and A real quick, uh, I love the fact that. Uh, someone asked about Ben Affleck playing yes. the role of an angel. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that Kev said he probably would have done it and to yeah. kind of connect it to Dogma in a way. Yes. And I think that would have been, as a fanboy, awesome. Uh, totally, totally. Um, but again, I'm, I'm going to go on the other side of that and just say – I'm glad that there was no fan service in this movie. Had he put any kind of fan service in at the end, again, I feel like it would just deflate all of the interesting arguments he sets up within the movie before it. Yeah, and and I just think there could have been maybe a a better way to transition from from the John Locke moment to to where it went, or or maybe I can totally agree with that. And I even think the explanation for how for what happens in that scene is a little bit it's not ridiculous or anything but i i think that whole ending scene could have worked for me it did work let me say first of all for me that whole ending sequence totally works i love everything about it uh, i i thought it would cuz it had me believing that what the alternate ending that what happens in the alternate ending was actually happening yes yes there, there was a minute where i was just like holy fuck is that really where this movie is going yeah yeah and and again i don't know i I, the ending worked for me to a degree. It just it's the way it was done seemed like a cop out. And but that I, that I can kind of agree with because that that's where I was going with that. That I can kind of agree with in the way that the the explanation for what actually happened is not necessarily ridiculous. I could see it still happening in the real world, but it doesn't it it doesn't justify what it is that happens well yes. enough i don't think yeah because what even, it is that happens could be totally justified even with the ending that it has yes but not with the story he came up with that story yes. seemed a little bit weak for me for how strong the event is that it's describing yeah and, and it's just it, i mean i didn't even notice that explanation being a cop out as well as what i'm calling a cop out but right and i i understand where you're coming um, from on that i think but yeah i mean that that really is the and, and we're talking maybe the last five to ten minutes of the movie if yeah that, it's the very end yeah, yeah. And, and again done well i enjoyed it and and it makes sense it's just yes. seemed weak to me well, I mean, you know, the other reason I'm okay with it, even though in my mind the explanation for it is a little weak, is it allows for John Goodman to have this really, really great line at the end that I that I don't want to spoil, but um, the the line that he has about that when they kind of say, "Well, do you do you think that happened because of this?" They say that to him, and he has this this great response that sheds a whole new light on the que one of the central questions of the movie which is kind of does god exist and if so is he a fucking maniac yeah, you know what i yeah, mean yeah. um and I, and i thought the line that he had that that is sort of related to that that's sort of about that 
it was so worth that ending. Like the, the ending was worth it to give him that line and and put that different perspective on what was happening in the movie. You're going to have to tell me what the line is when we're done recording because I can't I remember. can do that. <laughs> uh, but uh, so so overall, like I said, I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, it was just walking in there. I thought something else and, and, and got something else. So it was a, a little bit of a disappointment. But as you said earlier, this just means when I go into it again, I kind of know what I'm expecting. So now I can watch it with fresh new eyes. Yeah, totally. And, and just sort of taking the details and, yes. and yes. you know, see where the story goes uh, in a logical way since you know where it's going. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I'm very excited for it. And as you know, we both kind of said earlier is if you are a Kevin Smith fan and you have any interest in seeing this movie and you have the disposable income and it's coming to your town on this tour, go see it now because not only are you going to, you know, even if you're not satisfied with the movie, you will be satisfied with the Q and a afterwards. Cause I, 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 I went on record as saying is, that was better than the movie for me. Yeah, e- even uh, though a lot of the answers that I that to questions I heard or a lot of the content I heard in that Q and A is stuff I've heard on various podcasts. Yes, um, that was still more enjoyable to me. Uh, only began because I because I was kind of let down by that cop out moment. Right, right. Um, and, and and I you know what I was excited to see Kevin Smith live as far as a Q and A because I've never seen it before, so it was my first time seeing right, it. It was, it was my second time, I think. Yeah. So so that was exciting for me. Um, so even if you're not, even if you're going to be disappointed by this movie, which, which you may be disappointed, but probably in the way that I am, where you're still walking away happy. Yes. Uh, you'll also have that Q and A to follow. And even if you're in a town where it's just Kevin Smith, I, honestly, it's probably going to be, well, I mean, he pretty much just answered questions in New York too. So yeah, he did. I was a little disappointed in that, that people didn't uh, send more questions to the way the cast. Yeah, uh, especially considering I mean, so we saw Stephen Root was there, John Goodman was there, recent Which, Academy Award winner Melissa Leo was there, uh, a couple of the younger cast yes. members were there, like uh, uh, Michael Aragano, um, uh, uh, what's her name, Bichet, Carrie oh, Bichet, K- Carrie Bichet, yeah. Um, what's the tall kid's name? Nicholas uh, Braun. Yes. Um, Betty Abelard was there. Yeah, Jen, Jen was, was there. there. Which I don't um, know if we should count her as an actress, but. Uh, I mean, I actually thought she was pretty good in the movie. She yes, also yes. was sort of a silent character, but really played her part yeah, really well. Yeah, I think she had maybe one quiet line. It's a filmmaker I enjoy, too, or an actor I enjoy. I will always find the positive. Always. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, for Tusk, even. like. Oh, man. Uh, that movie is... I've, I had so much trouble recommending that to people. I was like, listen, it is so weird. It's so weird. And it, I thought it was great. I really liked I it. I still don't know if I like it or <laughs> That was what I not. used to say. I used to say, like, I have no idea if I liked that movie, but I know it was weird as shit, and I enjoyed that about it. I, I mean, I watched but it. But I think, I think in retrospect, like, I do kind of like that movie. I need to go buy it still, because I've only watched it. Uh, I only saw it in theaters. I, I didn't even see it in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's nothing against Kevin Smith. I just don't go see movies in yeah. theaters anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I acquired it, and uh, yeah. I do want to buy it, because, I you know, I'm a huge Kevin Smith supporter, yeah. uh, even with you know movies that might be a little silly, like Red State. I like Red State a lot. It's, it's, see, that's and now I don't remember what our opinions were when when we first saw. I remember it. I loved it because I, I loved it up until a certain point. Yeah. Now each time I've watched it at least twice, maybe three, two times, or three times since then, and I I do officially like it now. But yeah. it took me, you know, um, I think because he built it up, he yeah. built it up yeah. so much, and then it got to a point. Uh, where it goes from the horns blaring, spoiler yeah. alert, 
to uh, fuck it, it's three years old. If yeah, you yeah, haven't yeah, seen yeah. it, more than three. It's got a very Coen but, Brothers like ending. But it ends on well, I for me it ends like a Kevin Smith movie talking. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. a talking dialogue driven movie. Yeah. Um, and um, I I wish he had the money to to do a bigger ending. Yeah. Because I think that's what that was. Yeah. Um, and I mean he's joked uh, at that Q and A. Oh yeah, you, I li- you I li- saw yeah. it. In I, yeah, I po- I posted that thing. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, I was the first person to uh, I think get that news out of the world i posted a, a clip of kevin talking at the premiere of what red state which i went to see uh yeah i was there too i was at the uh, oh right yeah, yeah uh premiere. i forgot that we were both there together uh well like not together no, but, but we like, were both there yeah yeah um, easily could have uh, that's totally. when i met uh i had to remind because jen and i love impractical jokers yeah yeah and uh you right, know I, you got to hang out with them and i missed it yeah, yeah. i went to the bar and uh i mean hang out very loosely yeah, but yeah. i had to remind jen that we know q like yeah, the, yeah i mean i say that like yeah. we said hi to him we expl- uh, uh, exchanged pleasantries um, yes. uh very friendly this was when, i think he was still a firefighter so like uh-huh. he had no beard uh-huh. um uh, brian johnson was there um very friendly like yeah. everyone that whole gang is all very uh, friendly. i've met ming before and he's like a super friendly dude he's, he's just way he's super social yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like Red State. I think Red State is is really interesting and, and pretty good. It, it's uh, I, it took me a it's while to go. Tusk, board. I think. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tusk is Tusk is just weird as a strange. hell, and I I love that it's so weird and committed to its weirdness. I need to see it again. Um, I what I love about it is that, uh, and and this is all because of Kevin Smith, but it takes podcasting seriously, and yep. it was the first thing in traditional media to kind of take it yeah, seriously. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.